This week's episode is a really good one. I'm chatting with dietitian Susanna Juteau about using virtual summits to grow your brand and email list. Susanna runs her own private practice called Headache Nutritionist, and by hosting and running her own online summits, she was able to network with dozens of other wellness professionals, establish herself as a leader in her niche, and add thousands of people to her email list and grow her clientele base. And the best part is, you can do all of this too, even if you're starting from absolute zero with no email list or audience of your own. In this episode, we explain exactly what virtual summits are, how they work, why they're such a great way to grow grow your audience, and best practices for running them. Get some pen and paper out for this one. I know you're going to want to take notes. Let's get into the interview. Welcome to the Unconventional RD Podcast, where we inspire dietitians to think outside of the traditional employment box and create their own unconventional income streams. We'll talk all things online business to help you start, grow, and scale your own digital empire. Hi, Susanna. Thank you so much for being here on the podcast today. I am so excited to talk with you about your experience running virtual summits to grow your business. We have not covered that on the podcast yet, so thank you for volunteering this topic. I think it's a great one. Yeah, no problem. I just, I I was like, oh, I wish more dietitians knew about this and like that this opportunity for marketing. And I, I know you from your SEO course, which I took two years ago. And I was like, this was it, which was such an amazing course and just opened my eyes so much that I was like, how can I give back to her community? So thanks thanks for having me on. Yeah. I I know you emailed me before this podcast with like some of the results that you've gotten from summits. And I was like, oh my gosh, people need to hear about this. So we'll get into that later. Before we dive into the nitty gritty of virtual summits, can you let people know who you are, what your background is in nutrition, kind of like what you're doing these days? Yeah, for sure. So I specialize in headache nutrition and specifically migraine nutrition. And before getting into this, because this is kind of a newer niche for me, I worked at a community health center in Canada. I now live in California, but uh, we have community health centers in Canada where everyone come for services and it's all free, but uh, lots of like group programs, um, one-on-ones and outreach into the community, like with food banks and uh, shelters and stuff. So that's my, my background is really community nutrition. And then when I moved here, I decided to delve into the uh, private practice side of things and have kind of had some different niches along the way. So as we get into the summits, uh, you'll, you'll find out what those different ones were. And now feel really good about working with exclusively with migraine clients. Love it. And thank you for being open about changing your niches along the way. Cause again, that's something that's so common, but I feel like people are almost like sometimes scared to admit that because <laughs> they, right. yeah. it's been quite the up and down journey. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hopefully as we talk about what summits are, maybe it'll help people find clarity as well if they're struggling to find their niche, you know? Yeah. I think it, it it's actually through the summits that I really did get that clarity. It, it gave me a real focus. And then I realized like what clients I was drawing in from the summit. And then I was like, well, I don't really have a passion for working with weight loss, especially was kind of the for my first two summits. I got a lot of weight cl- loss clients out of it. And I was like, uh, so 
yeah, so it did open up my eyes and sped up that clarity journey. For people listening, can we start by even defining what a virtual summit is? Yeah, yeah. So a virtual summit is where we pull in a bunch of different speakers on different topics, but you have an overarching theme, like an overarching topic. So for instance, my first summit was on mindset. So I drew in experts in the field who were talking about different like subcategories of mindset and why it was important. And so that overarching theme was mindset for weight loss. So at the time I was working with weight loss clients, but I really wanted them to focus on more the bigger picture rather than the number on the scale. So I found experts who like were in line with that message and then you interview them and you broadcast it either some people do it live or i pre-record all of my interviews and then release some either one per day or two per day that way your listeners get to kind of have a bigger experience and it's your show so you're like you're the expert you're you're kind of broadcasting yourself as the go-to person on that topic and showing that I don't know that you are networking with all these other people and it just like it's a really great platform for marketing and for just showing your wisdom as well yeah like a big authority booster definitely so what are the different summits that you've run to date yeah so I've Um, I'm actually currently in the middle of my third summit. So this was a timely time to to do this interview because, um, yeah, it's fresh on the mind. So the first one was on mindset. The second one was on fasting. Therapeutic fasting has has been one of the tools that has really helped me because my history... I had brain surgery a few years ago, so overcoming the headaches and the migraine and everything, um, that was one of the tools that really helped me. And so my second summit was on fasting. And again, I was trying to steer people away from fasting for weight loss, which of course is what everyone comes to fasting for. And I was like, no, no, no. Like there's all this other great evidence. Like let's talk about longevity. Let's talk about hormone balancing and Um, brain health and inflammation. So all these other things. So that was what my second summit was on. How is fasting useful for things other than weight loss? I can't remember what the tagline was. It was obviously much more catchy than that. And then my current summit is focused on my current niche, which is it's called Hope for Headaches. And it's discover under the radar healing methods to get to your migraine free life. Cool. And so you kind of, I, I see the progression. So yeah. was it kind of like you always maybe wanted to work with headaches, but you kind of like had to like niche your way down to get there? Like, did you have that in the back of your mind initially? Or did was that born out of seeing like the response from the summits? So often response and what people ask me about, because that is my own story that like, of it, it's so obvious in hindsight, like headaches makes so much sense for me because that's where all of my history is and that's what I've overcome and all these things that it's so obvious in hindsight but I was trying to like I guess put myself in kind of you know where you put yourself in that dietitian box like okay well we should people so many people want help with weight loss so I'm going to help them even though that's not my passion area and that's where I had the most experience from my community job is everyone's looking for like how to eat healthier and stuff. 
so I put myself in that box and it took me a while to realize like, well, why aren't I drawing on my own story more? Because instead I was trying to relate with people who deal with heavy like weight that they want to lose. And I never went through that, but I was trying to connect with them and it just wasn't filling up my cup, I guess is the best way. And yeah, so it was, it was after that fasting summit that I was like, man, what everyone is asking me about is my own story and like how nutrition can help with headaches. And so it just opened my eyes and I was like, well, of course I should be focusing on this in my own private practice. So. And how did it go? Like as you owned down the niche topics more and more, was it more successful or how was the Yeah, absolutely. And it just feels so much more authentic, even just talking about my story because sometimes Sometimes before I would, I'd be like, oh yeah, like I went through, you know, uh, weight gain because of medications due to such and such happening. And it was like, it was almost like I was kind of forcing it into that, that weight bubble. Mm -hmm. And, and now that I don't have to talk about weight loss at all, it's like, it's just so much easier to talk about my own story and connect with people on that and connect with the struggles of going to the doctors and not getting answers. And so many people just have no idea that nutrition is like the base of overcoming migraine is, um, the causes that we see are often stress and, you know, not getting enough sleep, but the underlying root cause always comes down to nutrition. So just helping people with that awareness really helps and speak authentically from my own point of view too. Thank you for sharing that. I I think a lot of people are going to be like, oh, relief. Like you don't have to have it all figured out. You can figure it out by taking action and then pivoting based on what happens. That's really inspirational. So back to just like the point of a summit, how does a summit help you, like, let's say grow your email list? How does that all work? Yeah. Yeah. So the main purpose as someone who's running a summit is to grow the email list. So that is the whole point is that if you don't have an audience to sell to, then you're going to be falling on crickets and you just have no one to talk to for like that market research point of view to find out even what they're looking for. So the goal of the summit, and I I did take like a business coaching program when I first uh, started doing the summits. So they're like, well, to start off a business, you really need to get that, that population seeing you first and seeing you as an expert. So that was the goal behind the summit is to grow my email list. And the speakers have other goals. But for me, it's you're, you're making sure that you're getting all the speakers on, on a summit. They all have a requirement of sending one solo email to their list and having a minimum list size of 5,000. So that way you're reaching 100,000. The overall potential reach is 100,000 people if you have 20 people on your summit. Yeah, it's, a, it's just a really great list building strategy. And you're also positioning yourself as the expert. So it kind of just boosts up and you're the, the networking opportunities are, are awesome as well. What I'm hearing out of that is even if you have an audience size of zero at the moment, you can still run a summit to get an audience. Is that accurate? Exactly. Exactly. It's like a really great list build from the get-go where you don't have to put money into Facebook ads 
And, and yes, there's absolutely some cost behind a summit, but they're not significant. Like for me, my first summit, I ran my whole first summit. Like I did all the back end stuff. So I didn't need a VA. Um, most people do get a VA if they don't like the tech stuff, but that's really your only cost and time. So it's a really effective strategy, especially when you're starting out, like you don't have money to invest in Facebook ads or some of these other strategies that this can be a really great strategy to when you're launching. Yeah. And obviously the networking, I think is a huge bonus as well, but in contrast to maybe other strategies that teach you how to grow your following on certain social media platforms, I like that you're getting people onto your actual email list. So you have a more direct connection with them as well. So that's something to consider too. Yes. And they see you in person. So like it's all videos. So they get to interact with you that way. Whereas at least with me, my Instagram strategy hasn't been that great, but <laughs> you get a lot of followers but then if you're not great at engaging with your followers then you've just got a lot of followers and like you don't grow that well that way but we're all better at some strategies than others <laughs> totally but i like to show i mean on this podcast i i have talked about instagram strategies We've yeah i know i love that that way everyone can connect and be like oh that's the perfect strategy for me right like for me it's like writing and blogging and for other people they're like hell no <laughs> you know so it just depends so i love that and um again thanks for sharing the details behind this strategy so I've myself signed up for many summits <laughs> over the years on nutrition and business topic. And some of them have been free. Some of them have been like freemium <laughs> where it's like free and paid and some are just flat out paid. So what do you think the difference is between those different strategies? Like what, and what did you do? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A lot of the big summits I find are usually paid, but they're putting a lot of like ad money behind it to get the volume in so that they can get paid or they'll do like it's free for two days and then you have to pay so then of course no one can watch that many interviews in two days no one's taking off like their whole life to to listen to a summit so i don't personally like that strategy because my my main goal is to connect with the audience and it's not a money builder so for me like my very first summit i only had one interview per day and it kind of stretched out across the months um so people had lots of time to to listen to the interviews each interview is live for 48 hours gives people again that opportunity to to watch and listen for free and since then i've moved to two interviews per day which i like more because otherwise you're kind of the summit lasts for a whole month and it's better to you know tighten it up a little bit. So the two per day work really well. And yeah, the whole purpose is really to connect with the audience. Now, all three summits, I have had the upgrade, the option to upgrade because there are a lot of people who come in and are just like, no, I don't want the free version. I, or they start listening and they're like, Hey, I want access to this forever. So there is always that option, but I'm, the purpose isn't to gain, to make money. So for me, it doesn't matter if there's like five people who upgrade or, you know, a hundred who upgrade. And something that I've, I'm doing on this current um, summit, which I will definitely be doing moving forward. So each summit, I, I learn a lot more what to improve, but this time I, all the upgrades are going towards donations. So I'm donating to the American Migraine Foundation. 
So it gives a whole other level of purpose for the summit where the intention is really to give back. And I find a lot of speakers appreciate that as well. That it's like, okay, we're doing this for a bigger purpose. I, I don't think any of the summits I've registered for have done that. So I think that's awesome. Yeah, I always bring that up to people. It's like, you won't see other summits like this. Yeah, and you're right. Then it makes the, the person who's maybe volunteering their time to participate feel like it's going towards a good cause as well. Yeah, and I see, see people making the donations even if they're not like, don't plan to, to watch the interviews later or that it's like, oh, thank you for just having this opportunity to donate and remind me like, oh yeah, let's give back to the migraine community and help support others. So how many speakers do you usually have on the summit? Yeah, so this has also changed. The first summit I had 27 speakers. It was just way too many and way too many to organize. The second summit, I had 24, so it was still too many. Um, This current summit, I have 12 speakers, which is a really nice uh, balance where, because of course that other intention of like connecting with the speakers is really important to me in that networking. So it's hard to give them the most of your attention if you're like trying to talk to 24 people at once. And obviously if it's not a paid event, you're probably like not paying them, I would imagine. (laughs) Right. They don't get paid and they actually never even ask for payment. So I find that really interesting because so many people are like, well, how much do you have to pay your speakers? And I was like, oh, well, no, that's never an issue. Like they're doing a lot of speakers are doing it to give back. Like they want to serve people and they want to serve their own audience and other audiences. So they're like, hey, this is a really good topic. I want to bring it to my audience. And they're also doing it just for omnipresence, like to get their name out there. So people are seeing them. They're seeing that they're giving back and that they're, they're a part of things and they're not doing it for financial. A lot of people will do affiliate links. Anyone... So people who do like the VIP package and upgrade. And what I've heard is that a lot of the speakers like don't even really care because it's not, you know, it's like, even if you make 500 from it, it's like that's pennies compared to what a lot of these speakers are already making because usually they're, they're quite successful in their business. So yeah, I, I never went the affiliate route. And then do you let them at the end of their presentation, like mention their own services or website and stuff so at least it's like a a promotion it's a free promotion exactly so that's a big component of it is that they give a free gift to the audience so that the audience can then opt into their email list there's a lot of summits that uh i know a lot of those bigger summits it's like when you sign up for the summit then everyone has access to you and then you get bombarded by emails from like 20 different speakers at once. So this summit is not like that. It's like the audience chooses to opt in. So they're only on my email list. I don't share the email list with any of the speakers. And then they're choosing like who to opt in on on those based on if they connect with the speaker, if they like the free gift and stuff like that. That's way better. So <laughs> Yeah, I think so. <laughs> And then how do you do it? Is it like an inner, because I've seen both where it's like, oh, the host is interviewing all of the guests and it's kind of like a more conversational Zoom meeting. Or I've also seen it where it's straight up like presentations, like the person came with some topic that they're discussing and that's pre-recorded maybe and then it goes up. Which way do you do it? Uh, So I do it where it's interview style because that's getting my message out as well. And it's really like allowing the audience to see me as an expert and 
that's kind of the main purpose is like to have my platform to um, establish myself. I like the interview style the best because the presentation style, one, it can get really like scientific. So usually the audience attending, like it feels overwhelming and interview style is kind of a bit more engaging and you can go for a walk and like listen. And so, yeah, I do it on Zoom. We're side by side. And I think on my next summit, I might try audio only because I've heard feedback that people really like the audio only. And then in the Facebook group, like have more uh, like recap sessions and videos that way. Cool. I imagine with each iteration, you get to try new things and get all these cool data points. (laughs) So that's exciting. How often, like how many times a year have you been doing it or do you plan to do summits? Uh, So I've been doing it twice a year. I'll probably continue that that way. Because you don't want to burn people out. Like you want them to be excited. You need enough time to pass. Yeah. Get excited. You get kind of a fresh list build. And it's really, it's really nice to do like before a launch, because you've got a whole new group of people, you do a launch and you kind of add it into the cycle that it's like, okay, now I'm doing this big summit with the launch on the end and then you deliver. And yeah, so once or twice a year, I think is plenty. Do you kind of come up with topics that you want to touch on and then find the speaker or do you find the speaker and then kind of come up with the topic together? How do you organize it? Yeah. So at first when I was less confident, I would, I would just get the speaker and be so happy that they were on board. And then I'd be like, what do you want to talk about? Um, But I found that was more of a like free for all. There's a lot of speakers who'd want to talk about the same thing. So nowadays I definitely come up with the topics first and then look for the speakers. Or sometimes I have a speaker in mind that I really want to reach out to and I already know their topic, but I make sure that there's no overlapping of topics. Yeah, that's really good insight. There was a time a few years ago where me and another dietitian almost put together a summit. Like we did all the background work and we reached out to people and we had like all the topics planned out and then we just like ended up not moving forward with it. But (laughs) we did, we found the same thing that if you let other people just bring forward a topic, like so many people say the same thing. (laughs) So Yeah. yeah. So being more organized and being like, hey, would you speak about this was a little more effective. <laughs> yeah, planning it out ahead of time. Like, what is your goal from the, for the summit? Like, is your goal to connect with speakers? Is your goal to connect with the audience? And then what topics and what do you want to showcase yourself as too? Because that's something else I've learned is like showcasing yourself as one of the interviews as well. It's like you have the knowledge in nutrition, so why have any other speakers speak on that? And then you're kind of the last interview to wrap up the summit, and it's and then you're they're really getting a sense of you and your packages, and it just makes it much more likely that they'll book like a discovery call and and continue working with you and stay on your email list, because of course with summits a lot of people will sign up. And I always expect so many to drop off after. And it's, it surprises me all the time, like how few actually do drop off because of the style of summit that I do, that it's not just like a quick um, money grab. Yeah, I really like everything you're saying. It seems really effective. But going back to getting the speakers, do you have any tips for finding the right people? Like, I mean, how do you find the people? And then like, when you're doing it twice a year, do you ever invite people back or like, Mm -hmm. is it always new people? How does that work? 
Yeah, so I definitely invite people, some people back. So there's certain speakers that I connect to, the audience connects to, that the topic is relevant. Because, of course, my three summits are all on very different topics, but I have had some where I can ask a, a speaker to come back. But usually I'm looking for more like newer speakers. And when searching for speakers, uh, this is where especially someone doing their first summit has a hard time. It's like, but the requirement has to be that they have a minimum of a 5,000 email list. This last one I did a 10,000 minimum. And a lot of people are like, but isn't your purpose to network and isn't your purpose like to get your message out there? But the reality is you don't get your message out there if someone has say a list of a thousand. I've tried it multiple times where I make exceptions and then, you know, they only get three opt-ins or something. And because of all the work behind the summit, you do want to make sure that you're sticking to those requirements. And in terms of finding the speakers, there's just so many, like so much like amazing work out there that I usually work, uh, I usually look for someone who's engaging well with their audience. And then chances are they do have a pretty good list build because they have kind of some marketing strategies and they know that the importance of an email list and because they're connecting so well with their audience, like that I know that they're, they'd be a good fit. And then also, especially with my first summit, I looked at uh, for people who had done other summits because it kind of simplified things for me that I was like, well, I pretty much know that they do have the list sites because they've been on those other summits. And yeah, I went that way. So, but that's not always the best strategy too. Because if someone's on like, say 20 summits a year, like their email list is so tired of being invited to the summit. So it's ideal to have people who like are kind of middle, you know, they'll do a couple that they really connect with, but overall that they're not just um, on every summit. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> summit fatigue. Yeah. Um, and then since you changed the topic thus far, like every time, what about for like your next one? I'm just thinking like people listening, they might be like, oh, let's say they're a pediatric dietitian. Is it like every single time it's like the, obviously they wouldn't call it the pediatric nutrition summit or something that's like really boring, but you know, is it always just something like that? Or would you recommend maybe doing like a subtopic that changes, you know, for each summit? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people can have those subtopics that change and still the overarching topic still fits within their niche. For me, this current summit that I'm doing, the Hope for Headaches, there's so many subtopics under that already that uh, I'm going to be calling it the same thing and have the same tagline because there's so many different angles I can do. And even something like this summit, we talked about gut health, but a different expert would have a different like angle for the gut health. So I'd likely have, you know, some of this, some similar topics like gut health, inflammation, and hormones that I would do again, but with a different speaker. And then there's a lot of, so for instance, for this topic, I interviewed someone who does tapping, who does ASMR for headaches, and which is like a type of hypnosis. And a lot of like, I call them under the radar strategies. So those can really be switched up. Like I didn't interview anyone on yoga or I didn't interview anyone on breath work or meditation that those I can use on the next summit. So I'll probably just call the next one, hope for headaches 2.0. Love it. <laughs> and then 
How do you get people to sign up? I want to know this from like the marketing strategy, but also like the tech strategy. So like, where is the sign up form? Is it on your website? Are you using a tool? And then how are you spreading the word? Yeah. Okay. So you want to have like either a lead page or however you do, usually do your opt-ins. So they opt into the summit that way. And then on the thank you page is where I put the VIP upgrade. If someone wants to make the donation to upgrade. But on the opt-in page itself, you want like a pretty clean up uh, opt-in page. So people are just like, just going there and not reading a whole bunch of stuff. So I just put a video inviting them to the summit and like kind of my reason behind the summit. And then they opt in right there. I use Kartra for everything, but so Kartra, Kajabi, whatever people are using, that part's really easy. The tech part overall is pretty easy. But the main thing is that all of the speakers are promoting. So each speaker, so I had 12 speakers this last one. So each speaker is sending at least one solo email to their list and they're doing social media too. The social media doesn't usually get much traction unless they have like a super engaged social, social media. But usually um, I don't even worry about if they're doing social promotion or not. The main thing is always the solo email. So they're just talking about the summit and inviting people. And that's where we get the most uh, opt-ins is through everyone else. And then I, of course, uh, promote my own list and my own social. But yeah, you don't need to have a list of your own for people to participate. The speaker, like I have never once had a speaker ask me what my own uh, list size was because that's not they're not on the summit for that purpose how do you know where the people registered from like how is there a way to track like oh this person sent this many people yeah yeah so i with kartra you can you i send everyone their individual tracking links so i can see how many clicks they've got and how many opt-ins they've got and then you also sign up to their email list so that you can see that they sent their solo because um, partly all the speakers are very busy. So you want to like, you need to remind them. And I'm sure there's occasionally people that are like, is she, if someone's not watching, they might not send that solo, right? They're, they're like, Ooh, I can get on a summit and not send the solo. So you do always want to follow up with speakers and make sure that they're engaged and that they're like, that they actually want to be a part of the summit because as I mentioned before, there's a lot of speakers who actually just want to be on summits and they don't really like care about the purpose or, but it's all about that omnipresence to get out there more. So making sure that you connect with the speakers as well is really important because then they want to promote for you. And when they're connected to the mission, especially it helps that like putting all the donations towards the, the Migraine Foundation because then they're like extra connected to the purpose. So that certainly helps. And yeah, so my tracking links will tell me all of that information. I can also tell if they've just promoted on social because you get a lot of clicks through on social, but not that many opt-ins. Whereas through an email list, you get, uh, it's usually like a 50 to 60% opt-in. Yeah, I found that as well. I haven't participated in a free summit, but I often speak at the RD Entrepreneur Symposium, which is paid and I have an affiliate link as speaker, but almost everyone who ends up registering is through my emails, not through my social media links. Yeah, that's the power of an email list compared to, again, my social isn't super engaged. So that's probably the main difference. Well, even like my Facebook group has like 10,000 people in it. And my email list is like half that size, but 
it's just a lot more effective just even with the reach and how even though there's 10,000 people in the group you know maybe only 2,000 see any given post and then they have to click on it and open up the link and type in their information and maybe they're on the go and they can't do it right now you know absolutely yeah okay so I just to get a bigger picture of the workflow so you've like come up with a topic maybe you've mapped out what you want to cover and who you want to reach out to and then you book those those interviews you do them on zoom and then obviously you have some sort of like recorded video file where does that video file go <laughs> like how are you hosting the summit <laughs> yeah okay so once everyone has opted in then they've got the emails and on the back end i'm just creating pages like web pages so i've got a web page with each speaker with their video so i've recorded on zoom i just uploaded to like vimeo or youtube and then put it on those pages underneath the page is their free gift and a description and then their bio and headshot and then I just create a page like that for each speaker. On your website? Or is it like on a different platform? Uh, it's on Kartra. So it's not on my website, actually. But it's it's so that I can direct people just to that page. And then the page expires after 48 hours. Um, so there's no like SEO behind it or anything. Because it's just those who opted in who will get access to it. Yeah. Uh, and then every day of the summit, I just send the link to those pages. Cool. So it's like through email, basically, that they're getting invited each day. Yeah. To watch. Okay, cool. I think that's really helpful for me, especially for people who've never attended a summit to like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it encourages people to open up your emails. It encourages them to click on your emails. So then down the road, once the summit is over, um, they're more like, like the deliverability is up and genius. Yeah. So all the <laughs> things, uh, help improve that. Yeah. That's a, another point. I didn't even really think about that, but that's a really big benefit actually. Are you comfortable with sharing kind of like the, the numbers or the results that you've gotten from these summits? So the first one that I did, which as I mentioned, I made like a lot of exceptions. So I had a lot of people who did have the list size, but then I was like, why would people want to go on my summit? I don't even have a list and you know, all those limiting beliefs that come up. So I made a lot of exceptions. Oh, and I didn't want to turn people down. That's another huge one is like, Oh, I love your message. I connect with you. Yes, you can be on my summit. What I learned though, is that it's not fair to the other experts is that like they're bringing in a hundred people and then someone's bringing in three. So it's not, it's really not fair to the others. So that's helped over time and how I word things to the experts helps too, that I say, okay, like here are the requirements. Are you in, al in alignment with that? And then they say, oh, I actually don't have a list size that much. And then, and then I say, oh, okay, that's okay. Like we can connect in other ways. Let's do a workshop instead. Let's do you know, lead magnet exchange, or there's other ways you can connect with people. Uh, so the first summit, there was about 1200 who opted in. So that was good. So and there's 27 speakers. So 1200 for 27 speakers, it was a lot of work, but I was happy with the result, especially for a first summit. My second summit, I had 24 speakers, and I had 6200 opt in. That one was paid upgrade without donations and I made $9,200 off that summit. Of course, a very popular topic though. So that's the main difference is that like fasting is very popular. 
So I wouldn't expect that from most topics. And I had really like, I had some really awesome speakers on there. Like all, it was only for females. So it made, it made me stand out from all the other fasting summits. Um, so it was only females and I had all of the like lead fasting experts on that one. And then my current summit, we're still in the middle of it, but we have 1,250 signed up and that's with 12 speakers. So yeah, so everything keeps improving. So altogether, I mean, you've basically grown your list by like a little under 10,000 people yeah. from these free summits. And I mean, that's a lot. <laughs> I haven't been super focused on growing my unconventional RD email list. Like I pretty much only, people just opt in like when they join my Facebook group pretty much. But I mean, mine's only like 5,000 right now just from like doing nothing. But so like to get 10,000 from not only establishing yourself as an expert and networking and all the other benefits, like now I'm like, shoot, I need to do a summit. <laughs> <laughs> a summit for RDs. There you go. I know. <laughs> yeah. And I think, um, so you have that really great like draw because your Facebook group is so engaged and like, so you do have that one mechanism to get people on our list. But I think for a lot of people starting out, we don't have that one thing. Like if your social isn't up there, if you don't have a Facebook group, especially when it first starts out, like they're not that engaged, even if you do have 500 people in it. So yeah, it's, it's just a really good like starter. And then you're, you get invited to other summits and you continue growing your list that way because you've established yourself as that expert. And then maybe you don't have to run a summit anymore or I mean, for me, I, I likely will probably do one at least once a year just for that, that platform to kind of, for people to get to know you. And then what do you do after the summit's over? Because that might be a hiccup for people too. They're like, okay, I do this giant summit and everyone's on my list. And then what do I do? What do I email them? <laughs> like, how do I keep them? I see this all the time because especially that, that first like business program that I joined where it was teaching all the summits, it's like so many people would get their, their summit done and then never email their list anymore. And I was like, well, what was the point? So you definitely want to have something in mind and ideally like have a pretty good idea of what your niche is going to be because otherwise you're just building a list and then it's like, well, I don't actually want to talk about this subject. So you do want to have an idea of what you're going to be talking about. You do also want to have in mind, like, what is the product that you're going to be offering after? Or are you doing like one-on-ones or what is, what is the end goal in mind? Cause there's no point in having an email list and then like doing nothing with them and, or like dropping them completely after the summit. So for me, it's really important that I email my list at least once a week, usually twice a week. So sometimes it's just giving content. Sometimes it's inviting them to my program or inviting them to other things that I feel like they'll be interested in being involved with. Uh, but definitely having that in mind before just like going out there and building a list for no reason. I use my list to like build connection and to serve because <laughs> if you just send them spammy stuff all the time like they're definitely unsubscribing <laughs> there has to be a point to opening them and then get, get them excited yeah and then of course obviously having a business goal in mind because we are entrepreneurs we need to make money <laughs> as well so uh yeah good good points there what about so now that you've done this a few times do you have any like cool things you're considering trying? I know you mentioned a few things already, but any other things you're going to try to experiment with moving forward? 
Well, something that I haven't been doing great with these summits is that I've been planning them really last minute. So the first one that I did, I did it in nine weeks. And then the two since was six weeks and five weeks. And it's just not enough time. Like it's very pressured where you're, you're looking to get all your speakers in one week and people don't always respond right away. So you're sending all these follow-ups and you're like, come on. And you get that moment where you're like, I'm not going to get speakers in time. And then you're doing all the interviews and it's like very crunched. So with my next one, I'm just going to give myself a lot more space to do it properly and to do it better where um, it's just so important to connect with your speakers even before you invite them and get a real sense of what their audience is like and whether it's the same audience that you want. If their audience is all male physiotherapists or something, I mostly work with women and it's like, well, then that just doesn't jive. So getting a sense of who their audience is, how they engage with their audience and whether they're the right for it first and kind of getting to know them, like actually reaching out to them before you ever ask them to be on the summit because it shows that you really like their content and genuinely want them to be on the summit because a lot of speakers, especially speakers with a larger audience are invited to things all the time. Like they're invited to summits all the time. They're um invited to podcasts and all these things so like why would they say yes to you over anything else so you want to you want to stand out so i'll be taking more time with my next one and just and writing good copy behind it and like having more a better plan for my facebook group to like with some giveaways and um being able to connect with the audience that way yeah and i think sometimes people overthink the networking piece as well like as someone, I mean, I'm not super active on Instagram, so maybe like more DM conversations happen there. They probably do. But like just being on Facebook and stuff and even having the podcast, like not that many people ever reach out to me. So like if you do, then I probably remember you. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> And it, it's kind of finding those the jewels in there too. Like you, you don't necessarily want a speaker who has a hundred thousand email lists because they're constantly promoting for things. And when you look at their newsletters and stuff, it's not like a connecting with your audience type newsletter. A lot of these really big popular people, which is kind of a mistake that I did with my first summit is that I was trying to get like all the big names and stuff. And it's actually like much better to find find speakers who are engaged, but maybe not super popular, um, but are doing like really great work because then you're, you're also showcasing them and they really appreciate the, the kind of boost in exposure and they're genuinely excited for the summit and looking forward to promoting for it rather than, okay, here's another thing um, that I'm going to send out. I feel the same way about even like my podcast interviews, you know, like, I mean, obviously it's different because it's not an opt-in thing or growing my list thing even, but, you know, I want to hear the cool stories, not, it doesn't really even matter, you know, what people's audience sizes or their list size. It's like, I don't know. And sometimes when you do get an interview with somebody who has a huge audience, it's like kind of sometimes a little lackluster sometimes because they do it all the time. And like the newer person maybe is a little more. Or they're really rushed. And like, I've had quite a few speakers that are like, oh, can we just skip the, because I always do a 15 minute like pre-interview. Are we the right fit for each other? And they're like, oh, can we just skip that and just do the interview? And I've done that before, but I find like even 
the interview with the person, it feels like it's not that deeper connection because I've never spoken to them before. I don't really know that much about them and they know zero about me because they're just coming on, they're telling their spiel, which is likely a similar spiel to all the other ones. And then that's it. So yeah, I do. I, I really like kind of the connection part of it more. Well, how did you learn to do all of this? Do you have any recommended resources for learning more about setting up summits? I feel like what we talked about can really give people a good um, start because I don't really have any resources because I did that one like coaching program that led us through step-by-step. And I'm actually part of another coaching program now that's more focused on coffee. And so she helps as well with summits. And we met through that first program. So, but as far as I know, there's only like big coaching packages. And the first business one that I did, I wouldn't actually recommend to anyone. So I'm not going to say the name of it. Uh, it was it was good. Like I learned summits. And so I wouldn't take it back. But the program, it's like after after doing your summit, it, it was a bit lackluster after that. But the current one, I absolutely love. And so if anyone wanted to learn more about that, they can totally like just reach out to me. But yeah, I don't know of any sort resources online. I know there's some like summit sites where they, it's like summit in a box where they kind of do all the back end. Oh gosh. We looked into some of that. Oh man. It, yeah, no, I don't recommend that either. It's so it's crazy expensive and they have like really high requirements for your audience size before they'll even like touch you. So if you're a beginner, it's not even like <laughs> okay and I yeah. think those are the big like summits that you see you see like Facebook ads for and stuff and I, I find them just they're all the same right they're just they're just trying to get a whole bunch of people in the door and what I like is that this is like unique and it's much more about raising us as the experts and that's kind of the other unique part and one of the reasons why I wanted to speak to you on this podcast is that as dietitians, we really want to be the go-to expert. And this is one of those ways that really kind of raise up the dietitians and say like, well, we're the experts and we're putting on, you know, a big summit or we're the go-to person and we kind of choose who we put on. So it's people that whose messages we're aligned with. Uh, I'm not particular about only having other dietitians. Like I find there's a lot of value with other um, health professionals, but at least I, you know, I wouldn't have someone who is, has conspiracy theories or who's very like, we have very different messages or anything. So I'm not featuring anyone like that. And again, empowering the dietitians that you can do this. You don't need to hire like a five figure company to like put it all together for you, especially if you're starting out, like it might seem a little scary, but like just start, you know, maybe you get a thousand people the first one, but that's a win. That's a thousand people that you now have to connect with, you know? Exactly. And even if you started with just 10 experts and say you brought in 300 people, then like, and then the next one you, you build that much more. I think we, at least in that, that coaching program, it was like, if you get 700 people, that's a very successful summit. So, and then you kind of build from there and you, you know, like how to talk to people better once you've done that first one. And yeah, it always gets way easier. Yeah. Yeah. The first one's the hardest. And then it's like rinse and repeat a little bit. Exactly. With whatever you're doing that's new. <laughs> yeah. You can often do like a 
lot of the same copy or at least a lot of the same like back end. I just copy each page, change the speaker, change uh, change the video, change the the biography and it's really quick. And double check because I have done that and then I sent the wrong link and I'm like, shoot. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Plenty of that happening too. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like part of the beauty of it too is that you can mess up a little like and because it's not this massive you know like you're maybe you get a few messages that might be a little bit hateful or but that's all part of the game too yeah i i've messed up i've done that multiple times and no one's ever sent me hate mail it's fine i just send out another email like oops wrong link <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, okay so to, to close this out today what are like your top three tips for someone who's interested in launching a virtual summit in 2021? Yeah, so find a topic that you're really aligned with that is like on the path that you want to pursue. And then start with 10 speakers just so that you're not overwhelming yourself and not like working so hard that you can't get anything else done. Um, start with 10 speakers and reach out to them and like just have that confidence that you can that this is effective and that you are worthy of speakers and if anyone asks you like hey what is your list size or why are you doing this then that's probably not the right speaker for you anyways so yeah so those are maybe that's not three <laughs> so we've got come up with a topic don't be too stressed out about confidence and networking. Like the purpose is networking. So communication and networking and reaching out to others and just like have, have a lot of fun with it. And it's like networking with professionals who are complimentary to you. Like people that you might want to build a referral network with is really good. Awesome. And then where can people go maybe to check out like your summits and just see what this is all about? Where should people check out? Yeah. So I usually on my website, I actually keep up. I don't know if I'll do that with this current summit, but with my past two summits, if anyone wanted to check them out, I do keep up like five interviews rather than the whole thing. So they can basically see the whole opt-in process, um, see what the daily emails look like and what the back end looks like. And so that's on my website at headachenutritionist.com. And yeah, and people can feel free to reach out to me on Facebook, like just search me. And if anyone want, feels like they have something that's complimentary to uh, headache nutrition, then you can, uh, and you'd like to be featured on one of my summits, then you can reach out to me. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. What, what social platform would you say you're most active on? Well, in terms of like talking with people and getting an answer quickly, uh, Facebook would be best. I am on Instagram as well, but. Um, Facebook's always best. <laughs> Great. And would they just search for like your business name and, and reach out there? So you can search for my business name or for my personal name. Cool. Great. Well, I will also put the links to all like your website and your social profiles and all that at theunconventionalrd.com. If you click on the podcast uh, tab, you can find this episode right there at the top. Or if you're listening to this later, just look at the podcast number and you can find it all organized there. Um, I do put show notes for every episode. So hopefully some people will be headed your way from there or just, you know, from listening. So thank you again. Seriously, this was a really informative. Um, I learned a lot and I'm going to be like keeping my eye out like, okay, how many people are making summits now? Because, you know, this is so good. 
that this was really inspirational. So thank you for, and thank you for being so open to with sharing all the details. I think that's really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I hope you enjoyed that episode. As always, if you really get a lot out of this podcast, please hit the subscribe button so you can get all the new episodes as they roll out each week. And I greatly appreciate any ratings or reviews that you can leave in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening. It really helps us reach more people. So thank you, and I will catch you next week. Oh,